and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing today? I am very well. I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that I can always say that when you ask me <laughs> with That's the nice. listeners listening. And uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I woke up, um, this is dating the episode, but I woke up to snow this morning and that was a little bit of a surprise um, here in London. But anyway, we'll survive. We'll get on. We'll keep warm. Uh, but but all is good apart from that. And quite a, quite a bit to cover in today's episode, but I wanted to start with some news uh, to remind our listeners about some events and other stuff they might be interested in. So on Monday, the 17th of April, um, we have our um, online community meetup, which is going to be about building your self-awareness. Now, a few episodes ago, I was joined by Lucy Ilbury, and we had a discussion about derailment. And um, one of the great ways that we can avoid career derailment is to build our self-awareness, to really learn more about ourselves, not just our strengths, our development areas, but how we're deploying these. So if we're able to do that, if we're able to invest the time in um, building our self-awareness, then we can we can minimize that negative outcome. Um, it's a free meetup, like our monthly meetups always are. And uh, if you're not already a member, you can sign up today at worklifepsych.club. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, on a related note, Lucy has written a really nice series of blog posts about derailment on the Work Life Psych blog, and I'll uh, put a link to those in the show notes as well. It's a really nice sort of elaboration of our discussion on the podcast episode, but I know some people prefer to have something in writing that they can share or come back to, so she was kind enough to write a series, and uh, I hope you find them as, as useful and as clear, actually, really to the point, nice blog posts. Now, for Community Plus members, and Community Plus, uh, hopefully you'll remember that's the, the premium membership level of our community, um, we're going to have our second bite-sized learning session of the year, and that's going to be on Wednesday, Wednesday, the 26th of April. Um, this is something we do quarterly where members get to vote to choose from a selection of available training courses. Now, these are the same training courses that we run for our clients. They're 90 minutes online bite-sized uh, explorations of a specific topic. At the time of recording, I have no idea of what we're going to be doing because <laughs> the voting is still open. So nice. I can't even promote it, but um, we're going to be covering topics. It could be healthy use of technology. It could be about healthy sleep habits, how to prioritize or how to beat procrastination. I choose a sort of a, a wide selection that people can vote for. So the voting is still open. Uh, if you're a member of Community Plus, you can vote and attend, and that will be recorded, and you can revisit it later. And if you're not a member of Community Plus, why not? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> if you would like to know more about it, you can find out all the details at worklifepsych.com forward slash Community Plus. So today, um, our focus is going to be about personal routines and habits, which is something we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, but the need to be flexible with them. And I've been quite a fan, <laughs> quite a promoter of looking at habits because they're 
so powerful. And a quotation I share a lot is from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, when he describes them as the compound interest of self-improvement. Just like with our savings, um, we can't imagine how much um, money can accumulate in that magical way with compound interest. And it's the same way with our habits. Very small behaviors repeatedly, repeated consistently can get us great, almost unimaginable results over time. So consistency is really, really important. And they're a really good way of um, reaching our, what I refer to as lifestyle goals. So how we want to be different um, as a person, rather than something that might involve lots of different steps, a, a goal at work, maybe um, completing a project, you know, where it's not about repeating the same thing over and over again, but it's about doing different things in sequence. So habits are, are really powerful. And in preparing for this, I was thinking about my own habits. Pilar, any, any examples you'd be happy to share? You know, habits, it's something I'm, it's a word I've been struggling with because, <laughs> uh, I, and also looking through your notes, I think that I called what I do sometimes more routine, maybe means, because always for me, habits comes to mind. What comes to mind when I say, when I think of habits is something that I do sub, that you would do subconsciously almost once it's ingrained in you. So I don't have, hopefully don't have many of those that are not helpful and I don't have many that are helpful because I always have to consciously do stuff so <laughs> I think That's I'm interesting yeah I think I'm more of a routine person um so I do do something every morning so I'll share something that it might be bigger than what you're talking about as a habit which is I have carved space in the morning to read and let's, let's do that because I, it, it mm. carries on as a routine, but actually I've made sure. And actually going back to habits, I do have one habit, which is reading before bedtime. So reading mm. in bed before sleeping, that is a habit actually. So there we go. We, I do have a habit. Mm. <laughs> it's a really interesting perspective that because every so often someone um, that I work with will say that I don't, I don't have any habits. And actually, if we look at it from a, a a slightly different viewpoint, something that you do regularly that it would feel weird if you didn't yes. do it. Well, that's a habit, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And I like your distinction between helpful and unhelpful because that's an, a nice uh, way of avoiding self-blame that we can adjust our habits if that's uh, what we want to do. The, the most powerful bit about habits, though, is if they're habits that we want to cultivate mm. that are helpful, they represent our values in action and we get all of the benefits that come with that, um, that come with living our values. Um, now we can pick them up and put them down, um, which is an important point I want to make today that we can be conscious and intentional because sometimes it just might not be helpful to have a certain habit or to, to, to live it. Um, and other times it might be just what we need. So listeners may know I moved offices, um, at the very beginning of December. 2022. We're now in March 2023. And I've only just now restarted my habit of a, a daily walk at lunchtime 
um, when I'm in the office. And I can't say it was down to one thing, but I, I would say that collectively the disruption of moving, the disruption to my routines um, and my morning meant that it just was below my conscious awareness until I realized I'm not walking as much <laughs> as I did last year. Thank you, Apple Watch, for telling me that. Um, but that was just a case of, okay, yep, I need to start that again because I know how it benefits me. I know why it's helpful. And it's also really simple. So I can just start that again. So all is not lost is an important point if we drop a habit. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and, and then you actually said that you hadn't realized you weren't doing it, but had anything else replaced that need for moving around or actually you hadn't even realized that you had dropped it? Yeah, it was it was um, actually um, trend data from <laughs> Apple Health. Every so often, it, it alerts you to a change in health-related trends, like you are walking faster for the last 10 weeks or you have gained more weight for the last 12 weeks. When it has enough data, it tells you. And that was one of the things, you know, you are walking less on average each day than you did in October, November, December. So I needed that external um, reminder. Now, if I wasn't alone here in the office, someone else might have pointed it out. You know, don't you normally go for a walk? And that could have been a helpful reminder. Um, I didn't decide not to do it. It just sort of faded away. But it was easy to pick up again. And what you've pointed to, uh, a routine, is maybe how I would describe when we have a collection of habits that happen mm. in sequence. Um, the easiest example we can all think of is our morning routine. You know, we do these same things every morning in order to get ready. We mightn't do them at exactly the same time, but we do each of them. If we don't do one of them, then it feels strange or it's unhelpful because it makes the rest of the day more difficult. You know, if you forget to pack your lunch or if you forget to bring your travel card, you know, these are disruptive things, but we don't necessarily say, and now I will do A and now I will do B and C. It's, it's automatic. And the benefit there is that it saves us some cognitive effort, some decision-making. And, and so that's why those are really helpful. So it could be, and, and one that I um, cultivated a few years ago because I realized, oh, this is quite helpful, recheck my schedule before I head off to work. Because overnight, there might have been cancellations, there might have been adjustments. What do I need to be aware of in my calendar for the day ahead? And that helps me focus and helps me stay on top of things. But a really unhelpful habit um, uh, would be to stay in bed when you wake up and start scrolling through social media on your phone instead of starting your day. So, you know, they can be simple, be helpful, they can be unhelpful, they can help us with other habits as well. So if one habit moves us to another place geographically, where that's where the next habit takes place, that, that's a routine. They're happening in sequence. Does that distinction make sense? Yes, yes. And and if I can say that, uh, <laughs> it's made me think a couple of things. One is that habit of checking the diary in the morning. That's something that I have to do. And I have to make that a habit because mm -hmm. I, I can, and it's something that would really help me. And I, I'm starting to do it very consciously, but not, but I hadn't thought I need to put it, I need to maybe stack it onto something else in the morning. Hey, I was just going to say, yeah. excellent. And yeah. the other thing is that I do have a habit, well, that I recognize as a habit now that you were talking, and it's 
the keys, and a lot of people will have this, the keys to my flat are, the, are always in a little peg by the door and checking that as I leave and as I go. As a, so checking that the peg is empty when I leave is a habit. Sometimes I don't remember doing it. So yeah, interesting. So we all have these little yes. things that are part of our day. <laughs> yeah. and, and actually, it can be interesting um, to explore those yeah. routines. What makes my morning routine? What makes my afternoon routine? What do I tend to do in the evening? And exploring these gives us an opportunity to make some adjustments if we would like to move in the direction of uh, where we want to get to as a person. And, and the reason I think it's so useful to explore habits is that people often balk at personal change. Uh, they think it, it would be too difficult to do that thing, scaling it back down to a habit until it's so small there's no reason not to do it is a great entry point for that. Um, and, and tracking those habits can be really helpful as well. And um, when they're new, you know, um, did I do it each day? And that gives us this focus on consistency rather than results. So if it's a lifestyle goal we're working towards, we might be disappointed by the lack of results early on. But if we simply focus on, am I doing the habit consistently, that feels like a win and then we're less likely to give up. So, so far, so positive habits are great. But you could probably hear that coming a mile off. Um, we can also constrain ourselves and make life a little bit more difficult with um, an inflexible, I'll call it, an inflexible focus on our routines and habits. And that means, well, there's a few different ways we can look at this. Um, one, if we forget to do something in the morning, it might annoy us. You know, and it might make the, the day more difficult, like forgetting your keys or, you know, those kinds of things. But if it's part of personal change, if we're trying to grow and develop as a person and we forget or we step outside of it, we might view it as a personal failing. And that leads to self-criticism, which is rarely helpful at all, or we can catastrophize it. And it can blow up into all kinds of unhelpful thinking patterns about how I won't be able to do this or how I can't change, et cetera, et cetera. And we can be then tempted to, to give up because we've seen um, a one-off or two-off inability to keep going with the habit. Rather than looking at the habit and wondering, could I make it easier for myself? Is it too big? Is it too demanding? It's an all or nothing. Either it's perfection or I've I've got to stop. And, you know, this can be very demotivating when we're trying to do things, when we're trying to make a change. And so those emotions um, can really, and the thoughts that come with them, um, can, can get in the way. We want to make a change, and then we look at our behavior, and we haven't done the thing that's necessary, and that feels, that feels awful. So there's one thing there when we step outside of our routines the negative emotions and the thoughts and the, the temptation or the decision to just give up because I can't do this or it's not possible in my life. Does that um, make sense, that, that kind of uh, evaluation of that? Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, that resonates. <laughs> so I had a, an example I wanted to share, which at the time of, of preparing for this, this absolutely made sense, but um, I had a really strong memory coming back. And in coaching, we don't go back to childhood, mm. but this memory was from childhood. <laughs> um, I, I think I was probably about seven or eight. And I had the weekly habit, the weekly habit of going 
uh, up the street, maybe 10 minutes away to a newsagent's to pick up a comic. And I loved this comic. And then one day, um, the comic was sold out. <gasps> it was gone. The, I could not get the comic. And it's one of those formative things. It just, it was, I was like a deer in the headlights. I was frozen with what? <laughs> but every week I do this thing. And it was one of those really formative lessons where you realize that, oh, well, I can do my bit. Doesn't mean it's going to work. And then I was kind of almost childlike bereft. Like, what do I do with yeah. my time now? I have no comic. And I went home and I was, and I remember my mom saying, what's wrong with you? I'm like, they, they had no comic. And she was like, oh, okay, well, next week, you know, <laughs> there will be more comics. And I almost tried to say, but you don't understand. <laughs> they don't have it now. And it was one of those things where I realized um, with hindsight, with a lot of hindsight, that, wow, you know, that really shook me. Um, but I could have done loads of other things. You know, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was one of those memories I still have about, yeah, my routine was shook and um, that wasn't a very nice experience. But a much more um, uh, up-to-date experience um, is one that uh, illustrates sometimes we can stick to routines and habits in the face of com common sense, where the environment around us would say to us, this isn't the right time to do that, or it's no longer helpful to do that, or maybe today you just need to not do that. And the memory that popped into my head immediately was when I was training for a marathon. And during my marathon training, I was in Spain visiting my parents and I continued with my training and they were having a heat wave and it was July. And I insisted on doing it in the face of all common sense and all the people around me. And um, oh, I made myself ill. It was horrible. Mm. It was a really bad thing. But I was fixated on, I've got to do it. And it was scheduled for today. And if I don't do it, it'll be some kind of failing. So it was a very inflexible way of looking at this. And of course, it had a negative outcome. It meant I couldn't train for days afterwards. But the voice you know, um, you know, angel on my shoulder kind of metaphor um, would have said, you can't do it today. It's out of your control. You didn't cause the heat wave. It's time to <laughs> not do the thing. But the devil on the other side was saying, you know, if you don't do this, it's some kind of personal failing. Um, and I think a lot of people get into that position of doing it, whatever the habit is, even though it's not the best idea in the world. And that, then it's not helpful, <laughs> which is for it's, sure. It, it really comes to mind for me the difference between obsessing about it and building it, and also, like you're saying, recognizing when we're not doing it just because it's something new, and of course, there's that extra effort and stuff, and when actually it's just not a good time or a good idea. Um, there's also, I suppose, the thing of the 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 thing that comes to mind and that I've read about is the danger of once it goes once that is that there's it's a slippery slope but I think mm. that also that cannot be an obsession <laughs> no and I've I've read that too and I think these are helpful um guidelines rather than rules because there's such variation in us as people and how we respond to this. Um, so I'd, if I could go back to my past self, I'd encourage myself to, to maybe look at the situation differently, both of them, <laughs> running in a heat wave or oh. you know, being dumbstruck in the face of not having a comic. And look, what's the bigger picture here? Uh, is this the disaster you think it is? Or is this 
just a bit of an inconvenience. Mm. It's okay to say, I don't like it, um, but it's not helpful to stop everything or indeed continue with it in the face of common sense. So, you know, I could tick the box to say I went running today, but you know what I'm doing? I'm flying in the face of my other values about my well-being mm. and potentially my relationships because everyone around me was saying, don't do it, don't be daft. Um, so there was a kind of a pig-headedness there. Um, so looking at the bigger picture, tapping into values, it can help us put this in context. It can also be helpful uh, to ask ourselves, is this a learning opportunity? Maybe I was trying to string together too many habits. Maybe my existing routines need adjusting to make this habit stick. Maybe I'm demanding too much of myself. Uh, maybe it's time for a break, but what can I learn about myself, my environment, the people around me? So rather than what was I thinking, it's what was I learning? And what can I do with that learning? Because all setbacks, all, all of these um, failures with a small f, they can represent an opportunity to learn about ourselves rather than to run away from those or to make a very blanket, uh, oversimplistic evaluation of the whole thing. We can learn. So if we drop a habit, we miss doing it, or we do it inflexibly, what is that telling us about ourselves? And of course, some habits we might need to drop because they might not serve us well anymore. They may, like an aspect of our self-concept, they might not be relevant anymore, or they might need adjustment. Uh, maybe they were something that really helped us at a time in our lives, but now we could have another habit instead. So viewing them flexibly rather than uh, in tablets of stone, viewing them contextually rather than as absolutes, and viewing them as choices, I would say, rather than uh, an all or nothing or a personal failing can give us a much healthier perspective on the habits we're trying to cultivate. So when we think about this in the round, um, I think one of the main points um, I'd really like to share with all of our listeners is that um, it's more helpful not to think of our behavior and habits, our behavior, as being good or bad, even though that's colloquially how we talk about it. But actually, it's, it's about is it helpful or is it unhelpful in the context that you're in? So my running could be really helpful, uh, you know, for weeks but then I go to another country and there's a heat wave and my running is no longer helpful because the context has changed. It's an extreme example, but day to day, there might be things you want to do. And because of the day that's in it, because of the, uh, the difficulties or the workload or the sick colleague or the sick child, it's, it's just not helpful to do it. And that's okay. So thinking of the bigger picture is what's really really going to help us. If we notice the context has changed, we can hold up the habits as being optional. Mm -hmm. Now, we really need to be honest with ourselves about that too, because <laughs> it's a shortcut to not following through on the promises that we've made to ourselves. So there's a fine line here, isn't there, between acknowledging the need for flexibility on the one hand, but also on the other hand, seeing the value that these habits can bring and why we want to cultivate them in the first place. And something that's coming to, to mind, Richard, as well around that flexibility is that a lot of the stuff I read about habit forming always is always about adding a habit. And I think that sometimes 
if we know why we're doing something or why we want to build a habit, there might be something that we can remove from what we're doing. So I think that it's interesting in the context of the conversations around habit, it's mainly, I hear it about forming new ones, mm. whereas actually it might be more practical and more helpful to get, not, not easier <laughs> to get rid of old ones. So I think that there's also that flexibility in the approach. Absolutely. We can replace behaviors with new behaviors rather than simply adding to our behavioral repertoire all the time. And, and one, one final point I think that's really important to remind people of um, is that sometimes our habits might work for us, but they don't work for the people around us. Mm. If we're inflexible, such that it has a negative impact on our colleagues or our family or our friends, then we have to ask ourselves, does this habit serve me well? Whatever it is, it means that our focus is on me and my habits rather than us and our relationships or what's needed of me in this moment. So I think one of the main dangers when it comes to looking at habits is that we don't look at the bigger picture we don't consider others, and we start to view the habits as rules that could be broken rather ju than just helpful behavioral steps in a valued direction. Um, and that's probably where I'd like to finish today. But Pilar, anything you'd like to throw in? Uh, no, that's, uh, yeah, that was my last thought. <laughs> Fantastic. So listeners, we'd love to know, uh, have you got habits you've cultivated over the last while that you'd be happy to tell us about or any challenges with developing these habits? How are you flexible when it comes to these things? Uh, what questions do you have about habits and routines and running in a Spanish heat wave? Whatever you'd <laughs> like to know. So get in touch with us via email. Uh, the address is podcast at worklifepsych.com. And you're able to find all the show notes that I've been referencing all the way through this at worklifepsych.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to hearing from you. We always love to hear from our listeners. And uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening. <laughs>